Hey, I tried that. Did I ever tell you guys? Eight years old and I was into RC. Welcome to the first ever episode of Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me is Andrew Mount. Just because you're fucking my sister doesn't mean you're part of the family. And Mason Kuzmich. Yeah, first ever. On today's episode, we are talking about Tom Cruise's film debut, Endless Love, a romantic drama starring Brooke Shields and Martin Hewitt. But first, let's talk about where we are coming into this with Tom Cruise. Are you guys already fans? Have you seen many of his movies? So my main thing with Tom Cruise is I'm a fan because of the Mission Impossible movies. That's most of what I know him from. Um, also, uh, really recently in my life, I watched like his first six movies and recorded six <laughs> podcast episodes about them. And uh, then a hard drive was destroyed and we lost it all and we have to do it again starting with Endless Love. So that's my most recent experience with <laughs> Tom Cruise's worst movies. Uh, yeah, so Tom Cruise, I know, like, like Andrew said, uh, from Mission Impossible. I know him from Tropic Thunder, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Mm. Uh, hey, hey, I said comedies. I qualified that. Um, what Still else? Though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know him from Valkyrie. That was a good movie. Uh, and I know him from the first five, six movies that we watched that uh, we already talked about. And oh, so painful. <laughs> I know. It's it's like we have to revisit. And listen, there's a lot of good stuff there. There's a lot of good stuff in pretty much all Tom Cruise's performance because he's he's been great. But he's he was less than a minute in this movie. And we have to revisit terrible. it. Are we stuck in purgatory? Is this our punishment? <laughs> we have to podcast on these same six it's, it's like It's like the guy over again. Yeah, it's like the guy in, in Greek hell where he has to push a boulder up a hill and it just falls down right before he gets it. But it's Tom Cruise podcast. Mm. We're stuck yeah. here. That's that's depressing. <laughs> well, it's We've okay. whole philosophy books on how we're basically that guy and oh. we have to imagine he was happy. Sisyphus, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Sisyphus in the me. boulder. Uh, but hey, we could write a philosophy book based on Tom Cruise podcasting. Hmm. Continue. Well, I'm the biggest fan of Tom Cruise here, obviously. Because <laughs> the only one left, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I really enjoy Tom Cruise. You're not definitely not the only one. Now, of the I think five episodes that we lost, I think the only one I had I had only seen one of those films prior, but now I've seen all of them. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, I think he's done 43 movies. I think I've seen. Including those like thirty-eight of them. Oh, nice! Oh, no. that's a that's a great <laughs> pretty score. much pretty much all of the movies that I had not seen that he was in were those first few movies, and I haven't seen Valkyrie, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen Lions for Lambs. I think that's I haven't seen it. Valkyrie either. Oh, I will say, and I know that we. Sound, oh, I haven't seen Born on the Fourth of July. That's another one I haven't seen. I know that we sound a little bit frustrated in this, but there's a lot of good stuff in his first few movies. Not necessarily like they're specific bad movies i would say but he i mean at the same time he had taps which was good we'll get to that we'll get to all that he puts out quality is what i'm saying also buns well (laughs) prior to the first time we recorded none of us had seen endless love uh what was y'all's general uh impressions 
So my thought when I first saw it is that I was I had really low expectations. I think you told me it was his worst movie, probably. W- one and of then them, you I tricked th- me, and you kept saying that for like four <laughs> out of five of these first movies that we watched. Uh, but uh, actually, it was uh, it exceeded my expectations. It was like a story; it hung together. The pacing was weird, which was my main complaints. But uh, I I ended up liking it pretty well. Yeah, it definitely exceeded expectations. Um, I will say it still wasn't How a great movie. Expectations. My my expectations were pretty low, oh. um, but it, it exceeded those. Um, his scene was the best scene in the movie, and uh, the other. What I will say um, is, I made the horrible, horrible, horrible mistake of also reading the book that this is based on. Oh no! And uh, that that definitely, honestly, it just left me more confused about the movie than anything else. Hmm. Like the plot's all pretty similar. It's just I'm not sure what message anyone was going for. Yeah, so. you guys seem to take some positives away from this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Outside of the 48 seconds that Tom Cruise is on screen, I couldn't stand anything about this movie. I oh. hated it with a fiery passion. So everything before Tom Cruise comes on the scene, yeah, trash it, cut it. It is almost child porn. Hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that. By the way, Brooke Shields is in this movie. She's very naked in this movie, and she is 16 at the time. That is what the child porn reference was to, and it's art, Mason. <laughs> it well, was... All right, what, we'll cover this more in the trivia section. Continue. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I'm of two minds. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm clearly on... I clearly dislike this movie much more than you two did, but I don't think any of us were super positive on the film. No. I don't know. You you seemed actually a little a pretty pretty positive on it, Andrew. I was surprised. I didn't think you really enjoyed it that much. I didn't like love watching it, but again, it exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. And my main complaint is that the first half of this movie takes way too long to happen, and it should actually be the first ten minutes of this movie. But other than that, Absolutely. I think it kind of worked for me. Well, on that note, let's get into our discussion of endless love. In suburban Chicago, teenagers Jade Butterfield and David Axelrod fall in love after they are introduced by Jade's brother, Keith. Jade's family is known in their community for a bohemian lifestyle, allowing them to develop an all-consuming and passionate relationship, including allowing the two to have sex in Jade's bedroom. In contrast to the openness of her family, David's home life is dull. His parents are wealthy, liberal, political activists who have little interest for their son's life. All right. First of all, they're not liberals. They're leftists. Okay? And pretty early on. And really the only reference to this, honestly, they just say, hey, we're socialists. And they never bring it up again. But they got my juices flowing. So, you know, that's good. It's Mm. good. Maybe they say they're socialists, but they're really just social democrats. Uh, Could be that. Mm. Suck dams. It doesn't really go over very – it's just kind of background information in the Mm -hmm. recap. But, I mean – That's half the movie. Yeah. Like this first – this first part of the movie is very like we were saying before it's very slow and it's really just kind of i guess supposed to be set up but yeah. but traditionally like, the open of your the opening of your story is pretty short right you yeah. just want to establish what the character's life is like before it's interrupted and then you get the interruption yeah so but, basically and it doesn't really go into super 
big detail about this, but basically you get like a random scene of David at home with his parents that I, I frankly, I don't remember at all. It was a very, yeah. it's apparently a very quick scene. It was remember. a very quick scene. It was the first scene in the movie. Hmm. It's there to set up kind of, I guess, to set up the political leanings, which don't this, really, they don't really the affect the movie. Hmm? Well, the, well, it was right before the dinner scene. Oh, see, it was, I he was remembering at the dinner scene. Yeah, because yeah. he was about to leave and go have dinner with Jade's family. And it sets up that he has a family. And I guess, well, and I think they had to do Bye, this. Son, we're socialists. <laughs> Is that like what happened? Basically that. And like, well, the thing is, like the socialist part, and again, I read the book, and it's a mistake. And but, like that had yeah, that so- aspect of their lives. Is a mistake. <laughs> oh sure, no. <laughs> oh, anyway, that aspect of the book had was a lot more prominent. Like it was a lot more of what was going on in that story. And I guess they felt like they had to include some aspect of it. So they included in some throwaway scene at the beginning of the movie that clearly people have a hard time remembering. Well, after that, he goes over there for dinner, and then there's, like, this big party that has, like, Hell just yeah. a, a shit ton of people there. Like, I don't know where all these people came from. The party lasts for a very long time and does a nothing to advance any party. of the plot. Right, and they play a—it's really just an excuse to play a— A cover, it, a cover a of— A Lionel Richie song? A cover of Endless Love. Yeah. Yeah, the, the title. To title just of play the, the title yeah. song, which became a hit. Uh, incidentally, but yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily because of this film. Oh, though. it had nothing to do with the film. There's no way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that song was already out before this. Well, but. it only got written because of the film. Like it was based on that. I just want to let you guys know that you said Lionel Richie, and for some reason my brain went straight to Little Richard, and I'm realizing now that I do not know who Lionel Richie is, and I just assumed he was Little Richard. I could also be wrong about that on the song. It, it, it is Lionel Richie. Oh, hell yeah. Lionel I remember Richie. that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Listen, pretty folks, it's been, it's been months since we recorded this the first time. <laughs> I had no idea. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Uh, one night, which I actually think is the same night of the party, so that's a little bit of a... Holy yeah. crap! Was this first twenty four hours took place in like? I'm, I'm pretty sure this. I'm pretty sure this movie? next scene because everybody leaves and David pretends to leave and then That's stays right. in the yeah. house. But anyways, one night Jade's mother Anne sneaks downstairs and upon seeing Jade and David make love by the fireplace, starts living through them vicariously. Mm. Jade's father Hugh, however, watches the couple with increasing ease. And when I say watches them with increase with increasing unease, un-ease sorry, with increasing unease. <laughs> and when I say watching them, I don't mean he's watching them like with the mother he wasn't present for that i mean he's metaphorically, metaphorically watching them <laughs> as a couple and not feeling yes. great about it. and jay's nightly trysts began negatively impacting her grades and her ability to sleep she attempts to steal one of her father's prescription sleeping pills but is caught in the act this is the last straw for hugh and he insists david stop seeing jade until the end of school term in 30 days Although David initially causes a scene, Anne gently coaxes him into agreeing, telling him not to let Hugh do something he'll regret. Okay, so this is a good time for us to cover the fact that uh, the David character's name David Axelrod. Yes, and I do Obama believe, campaign manager. Yes, I do believe this is a documentary about the life of Obama campaign strategist David Axelrod. Oh, right, strategist. It is absolutely is. manager it is. at times. Oh yeah, that's true. It's definitely not, but okay. I guarantee you, this <laughs> is exactly it. what happened. Yeah, prove to me that this is not what happened in Obama campaign strategist David Axelrod's early life. This is a really complicated political commentary <laughs> on the crime of the ruling liberal yeah well, let's <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about uh about jade's mother Anne and her reaction to seeing her 16 year old daughter having sex with 
I guess he's supposed to be 18. No, this seems normal. This seems completely now, normal. I, I, I do I do want to touch on something briefly. I, I believe the characters, I think he's 18. It, like I think he's graduated high school, I think, is what they imply. Yeah, he's and like then, about to go to college. Yeah, and then she's like 16. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, 18 divided by 2 plus 7, 16. So he's in the range. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow, creepy, okay. Right? But the, the thing that's creepy to me about this is that the actors, Brooke Shields is actually 16. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole problem in and of itself because of the multiple nude scenes she does in this movie. But uh, Martin Hewitt is like twenty three. Yeah, so basically eighteen. That just seems so creepy to me. I don't know. Yeah, that seems really. Anyway, like you I, said, it's art. Mm. I mean, <laughs> that was very sarcastic. But <laughs> oh, it was ex- yeah. But anyways, don't the, tell the, me. Don't tell me my tone. Hmm. I know no, my tone. No, when he my said, statement was sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, just, let's be clear. I don't think anyone is defending the artistic <laughs> merit of these scenes. But but anyways, the, the, the mom's reaction is very strange to me because that doesn't seem like a reaction most mothers. But she starts like leaning against the banister and like she like sighs and she's just like oh young love while she's just watching her teenage daughter just get boned by this dude well you like, say that do remember that these are the people that also just threw a party for all the neighborhood kids and i mean we're clearly doing all kinds of drugs in the process and like it's definitely meant to demonstrate that it's very um free family yeah. and in, in like the hippie sense yeah. Is this set in like the 60s or something? Or is this the 70s maybe? Uh, it doesn't it, say, really so like... I'm going to assume 80s. Okay. Yeah, there's not really that's, like... when the, that's when the movie was made. If it, Late if, 70s, if, early 80s. Yeah, if it doesn't say, I just kind of assume it's around when the movie was made. Yeah. Although, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds on this. Like, on the one hand, I appreciate that the mob is very sex positive, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but on the other hand, it's She's just, getting off to her child yeah, having she's, sex. She's being real creepy about it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I almost wish that if they were going to go that direction, that they would have leaned harder into showing the mom and the dad hugh and Anne's love life you mm-hmm. know and been like sure. oh look she's really unfulfilled in her marriage so she's like reminiscing on what it was like to be in love not like i'm super horny to watch my daughter have sex with tom cruise that feels a little weird not, not, tom, not cruise. tom cruise not, com- not tom cruise i'm sorry tom cruise Mar- Mar- obama Mar- campaign Mar- strategist yes. david, david axel oh man <laughs> Mar- you even said his name earlier i was like why did he say that name it's tom cruise but it's not even tom cruise no, no tom cruise has not been in this movie my yet. mind is trying to save me from this movie <laughs> okay <laughs> now by overwriting the memories yeah sorry Mar- right. martin hewitt yeah martin hewitt martin is hewitt. the okay the adult man who's filming sex scenes with a child yeah that's weird i don't Um, i don't love that martin hewitt as david axelrod and um david axelrod that's a great porn name uh, it really is and props to him for moving to from porn to politics like this is a really impressive jump and he's a chicago native in this movie i mean come on come on i know it's it's yeah it it has to be it Mm -hmm. has to be real but i i also i feel like hugh Hugh's the dad, Hugh. I, I feel like he his terms for like are pretty reasonable. Like, hey, I'm fine with you two like banging in my house, but you're keeping her up all night. Her grades are falling. Just back off for thirty days until she's done with school and then when it's summertime, go at it. It's yeah. unacceptable. And then, thirty and then, days, right? Yeah. That's, and then David no. like okay. David like flips out. Yeah. No, of like, course he's, he like, does. he's like, no, I have to be with her like all the time. Blah 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 blah. And then like, yeah, the mom has to like talk him down. Yeah. And like I don't know. It's just It's love. Okay. Yeah. 
It is no, endless Hugh, love. Hugh is the hero of the story. Everybody else is a goddamn villain. Yeah. Every single one of them. 30 days might as well be a death sentence, all right? It's like we were talking about with the dogs earlier. When you put them in a cage for like 10 minutes, it's the same as putting them in a cage for 10 years. It is awful. It is terrible. They can't stand it. Hmm. 30 days <laughs> is a death sentence. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Listen, if you have to spend 30 days in prison, just kill yourself. Uh, don't Whoa. do that. Don't do that. Whoa. Do not do that. <laughs> Absolutely don't do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I I think it's worth pointing out, not a lot has really happened in this movie. Yeah, but Very little plot-wise. We've gotten a sex scene, and then he gets kicked yeah, out like that. There's like that whole party. They have that sex scene where the mom's watching really creepily, and then... They just kind of jump to this thing where she's trying to take sleeping pills and then he flips out and everything. Excuse me. They sang a song. And <laughs> we're like almost an hour into the film at this point. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's we're, real bad. And we're, we're about to get to the best scene, in my opinion. I think <laughs> yeah. in all of our opinions. It's the only good scene, <sighs> maybe? Yes. Uh, Tom Cruise is about to make his triumphant entrance into, into film. Back at school, David's friend Billy, played by Tom Cruise, tells him that when he was eight years old, he tried burning a pile of newspapers, and after he became scared, put the fire out, only to find his parents thinking he was a hero for saving the house from burning. Inspired by this story, David starts a fire on the Butterfield's front porch and walks away briefly, but by the time he returns, the flame has spread too far. He rushes to warn the family, but he is too late. The entire house is lost. Listen, I just want to... <sighs> Tom Cruise's scene was perfect here. It really was. It was everything you want about Tom Cruise. It was him running. It was him taking his shirt off. And just those two things? Well, and that's what we want, right? And him encouraging I mean, someone I'm to done. burn a house down. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it's everything. Oh, yeah. Encourage <laughs> arson, Tommy. Uh, you know how hot and bothered I get when you're burning things down. Oh, exactly. And let's let's go ahead and listen to that Tom Cruise scene real quick. Let's oh, do it. Yes. Oh, please. I have an idea. What do you say? So we kidnap her. Say a million in ransom. Shut up. Listen, some woman did that to me, I'd burn her damn house down. Hey, I tried that. Did I ever tell you guys? Eight years old and I was into RC. You're full of it. No, I'm serious. I lit a whole pile of newspapers. You ever try to light a whole pile of wet newspapers? Jeez, it smokes like crazy. I got real scared, see. Do you want to hear the wild part? It's like I'm a hero or something. They thought I saved the whole block. <laughs> to this day, my mother thinks I'm a hero. <laughs> hey, you better not tell her what I just told you. Either. I'll see you later. So the other thing I want to bring up about this, this is where the book starts. This is this is where it starts. Did yes. I have the same reaction last you time? You had that exact same reaction. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. The book starts here. The, again, the movie is like an hour and a half in. It is absurd. But the book starts. This is a great him, place for it to start. Right, the book starts with him burning the house down. Like n- not not even the not even the Tom Cruise scene. Like oh. Tom Cruise's character doesn't exist in the book. Yeah, he was a he was a movie only role. Mm-hmm. Um in in the book, the guy just has spontaneously the Sorry, David Axelrod has the... Obama campaign strategist. <laughs> David Axelrod uh, has specifically has the just a spontaneous idea to burn the house down to try to get them to love him again. Um, that's, that's just... 
Can now, we talk okay, about how now, stupid Billy's parents are for falling for that? Well, sure. Like, who's like, oh, my eight-year-old child, you put out a fire on these newspapers over here. You're a hero. It, no questions about where the fire came from. Well, it's okay. He probably ran up and took his shirt off and explained that to, him, oh, <laughs> to them. They're like, oh, yeah, you. I'm now, not going to finish that sentence. You say in the book he had the idea to burn the house down. Do you mean set a fire and put it out or yes. to literally burn the house down? Yes. Okay. He, he had the idea to set the fire so, and okay. then put it out. Because Sorry. Okay, because. You're not, right. Not that that makes much sense at all, but it makes more sense than like I'm going to make them love me by burning their house down. Right. That that that, that makes a little. I more mean, sense. and and the whole point of his little plot was to essentially set this really smoky fire by sort of lighting these newspapers on fire, right? And the idea is that they're wet, so they won't really catch fire. They'll just create a lot of smoke. Um, yeah, the newspapers. Well, yeah, because you, you you heard in the in the in the scene yeah. that he said, you know, he tried to light a pile of wet newspapers and he said you have you ever tried to find a pile pile of wet newspaper this is tom cruise by the way pile of wet newspapers it smokes like crazy but mm-hmm. it doesn't really catch fire and so that was what david tried to do was did he wet the newspapers i don't uh, remember seeing him wet the newspapers i, I think he that. fucked that up well there's that i mean <sighs> so problem yeah. one there yeah stupid plan actually problem one is a really stupid plan stupid plan Pro- problem two it's an is incredibly stupid you, plan. you didn't implement the stupid plan correctly <laughs> <laughs> well yes your problem is that you didn't implement the stupid plan. <laughs> but yeah you're right that is the problem well he took a stupid plan that probably wasn't going to work and made it even worse listen Tom Cruise's shirt was off. He really didn't wasn't focused. He just thought, yeah, this this sexy man really is making good. a great fucking point. Your accent is here's really blonde. <laughs> Strange. Oh yeah. By the way, Tom Cruise sounds really New York here, and it's now it threw I'm, me off a bit. I'm pretty sure he, he's not he's not born in New York, but he did live in New York for oh, up until this movie. I'm pretty sure he lived in New York, so he may have kind of adopted kind of a. Yeah. I don't know if this was a choice or if that's actually how Tom Cruise talked, but definitely did not sound like he was from Chicago. Well, and that's for definitely sure, doesn't but. sound like what you expect Tom Cruise to sound like today either. Well, yes, he is very young. That's Thank true. You. He is 19. So. Oh, okay, 19. So what I was thinking about him was entirely fine. Mm. Legal. Do you, <laughs> do you think that they originally started to like make the movie from this scene and then they're done and they're like, okay, that's good. We made a really good movie. Oh shit, it's 45 minutes long. <laughs> Let's add 45 minutes of bullshit. At well, the so. Beginning. 45 maybe. minutes of a step, emotional establishing well, I, I think you were saying that a lot of the the scenes that we get before are more like flashback scenes in the yeah, book. Yeah, they do exist in the book. They just exist as flashbacks. Okay. It, it, because it's written it's written almost like David is writing it like almost kind of in a confession letter more or less. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. A little and, bit of an unreliable narrator maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he kind of talks like every now and then he's like, "Okay, but Jade and I did this way back in the day like and this is how we fucked. This is what position she was in." Yeah, that wow, that's where it gets that's weird. A lot. But <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it is. But it's definitely written in that way where he just kind of throws in those little flashback moments. So I guess it wouldn't have made as much sense for the movie to be flashing back constantly. But at the same time, the way they did it really gave us a long-ass, poorly paced... I mean, we've said it. Yeah. Yeah. The very long first half of the movie that doesn't really do anything. I don't know. I I feel like they moved really quick after the scene with Billy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I feel like they could have stretched that out a little more and maybe slowed it down because the the pacing time in prison, right, or in the mental in the mental institution. Yeah, it seemed we'll like he, later. It, yeah, that's the next scene. But it, it seemed like he was in the mental institution for a very short period of time. But it was supposed to be, I think, several months. Yeah. So, but like that. That's the thing. Like this scene with Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. the movie before the movie after are so different in they really are. like pacing like yeah the first one is so slow and nothing really happens and then right after that all the action starts and it just Mm -hmm. everything happens super quick and it's like i feel like they could have done that better that's one thing i will give credit to the book for actually it um it definitely stretched out all this it it had like the whole scene where he's having his legal battle it had him dealing with his attorney and a lot of you could see more of the stuff in court yeah there's interesting but people didn't want to see that people wanted to see a 16 year old's tits Mm -mm. Oh, mm. damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're kind of kind of getting a little ahead. So, uh, following his trial, David is convicted <laughs> of second degree arson, sentenced to five years probation, sent to a mental hospital for evaluation, and is forbidden from ever going near Jade or her family again. Nevertheless, he continues to write her daily, but his letters are not sent due to the court order to not contact Jade. His parents pull strings to have him released early, much to Hugh's chagrin. David receives his many letters upon his exit, and upon realizing why Jade never wrote back, decides to pursue her, even though he knows full well that it will violate his parole. And like we were saying, stuff happens very quickly. This jumped over a lot of like little stuff that happens. Like mm-hmm. this kind of jumps over. He has like a little freak out in the mental institution. Yeah. There's the where whole he attacks scene. that one guy. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was an interesting little scene where he just beats the shit out of some mental patient for no fucking reason because he's mad at his parents, really. Yeah, which I think is a fantastic way to get released from a mental institution is beating up the yeah. other patients, yeah. yell a lot, and be very violent. Well, that's what sane people do, all right? They beat the people that make them angry. And don't I'm, say that to me. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and they. They talk about uh, Hugh Chagrin, uh, which is a very mild word. Um, he's furious, mm-hmm. and he's furious before this. He's furious at the trial because he thinks the sentence of five years probation and going to a mental hospital is light. Yeah. Like, he he wants him to be thrown in jail. Sure. And, and I believe Jade is... At the trial as well, and is really upset. No, I don't think was Jade she was. not there. Okay, I, I think that was that was kind of part of it. I think it was only Hugh and the one son that really didn't that like oh, had Keith. a problem. Yeah, that one. So, the, James Spader <laughs> is the actor who played Keith. The the one who I knew said that. I knew it was James Spader. Right, <laughs> he did now. <laughs> That we've already recorded I did, I did this the second, the second time we've recorded this episode. Yeah. I knew it was James The one who Spader. told David Axelrod that uh, he may be fucking his sister, but he's and not part of the family. You know what? I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna say this. Keith, best character. Is I, he? I, better than Billy. You know, he was turned on to yeah. David's bullshit way earlier yeah. than everybody else was. I, I think, and maybe it's, maybe it's just because with Billy, you get that one quick scene that's not really interrupted by Martin mm-hmm. Hewitt's shitty acting. Sorry, Martin Hewitt, if you're listening to this. But, um, <laughs> Welcome to Martin Hewitt. Can Martin Hewitt, you, you did what you could with, with uh, limited material. Yeah, maybe it's just because James Bader was always acting around Brooke Shields and Martin Hewitt, but he just seemed leagues above everyone else in this movie, which, I mean, he does go on to have a very successful acting career, so he is a good actor. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, we all know him as the best boss from The Office. Hmm. Hmm. No? Was James Spader in the office? Clearly, you didn't watch the later seasons. He came in after Michael left for a little bit. Gotcha. All right. Uh, In the meantime, following the loss of their home, the Butterfield family has moved from Chicago to Manhattan, and Anne and Hugh divorce. 
in Manhattan, Anne tries to seduce David, Gross. but he refuses, which leaves her father not, or which leaves her rather nonplussed. When Anne isn't looking, <laughs> David thumbs through her address book to see where Jade is. He discovers that she now lives in Burlington and attends the University of Vermont. On his way over, Hugh sees David on the street and, while chasing him, is hit by a car and killed. Hugh's new wife, Ingrid Orchester, catches up to the scene just in time to witness David flee. God, this is such intense Once stalker again, behavior. A lot happens here. Yes. Uh, yeah, so this is where the hero of the story, Hugh, dies. Yes. Um, okay. It's so, crazy. But I think we can all agree that David straight up murdered Hugh. Uh, mm, I disagree. So it's at least manslaughter. Well, I also disagree kind of with your with your point of Hugh as hero of the story because oh, I th- but he is. Okay, so Hugh Hugh was correct uh-huh. in a lot of in a lot of what he mm-hmm. did up till now. I still think he's very much he wouldn't be dead if he didn't just like give in to anger Cross and chase him into a goddamn street. Both ways. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I oh, no, no. David tried to leave. David tried to walk away, and Hugh just like ran into the well, street. He was a stalker, though. Like, right? He was. He was. I'm not trying you to defend want to David let the here. Stalker, get away. Well, I think, I think yeah. the proper reaction there for Hugh is to contact the police. Yes. Instead of sprinting across New York traffic, I don't know if you can I mean, really safest the, traffic in the world. That's the smart thing to do. I guess. I guess I'm not saying that Hugh's like the smartest character in the world. Okay. Well, but it, I think he's a good guy. But it is kind of shown throughout the movie that Hugh does seem to have kind of a temper. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, when he finds Jade stealing the sleeping pills, he kind of he's very angry. Even though his once again his conditions, the 30 days thing is very reasonable considering how mad he was at the time. Mm-hmm. He's very angry in the court when they. Um, sentence him and then also the fact that they pull some strings he's pissed about that like he's he's very angry a lot of the time and i have a feeling that's probably why him and ann divorce is his temper uh they don't really get into why they divorce i think that's almost a throwaway Uh, she wants to have sex with With well daughter's stalker boyfriend well there is that still wants to still still wants wants to. to yeah Gross. Yeah, so I, I guess he shows up at her house trying to find Jade, and instead the mom just tries to seduce him. Like, he's, and know. he's like, uh, no. Well, I mean, he, he basically... he's burned down your house right. yeah. and went to jail for stalking your daughter. Yeah. He, he basically told her something along the lines of, I'm sorry, I want to apologize to the family. I know the court doesn't want me to. La-da-da-da-da. But I want to make it up to y'all somehow. And then he uses that opportunity to find jade's address and yeah be super stalkery yeah for sure and then to and murder hugh i'm sorry when i say that hugh isn't the hero of this i don't think david is the hero of this either i really i'm really not sure there's a hero of this movie keith hugh hugh and keith okay i like keith <laughs> keith is right? a good because hugh's the mentor right and keith is having okay. his hero's journey like we said keith, he keith is the david. one person who's like not on board with david from like the first scene we see him in yeah should have gotten this whole movie from Keith's perspective. That would have made a much better film, I think. Yeah. They do make that in the movie at least seem entirely rational at some points, though, too. Especially early on when they're when he's just like hanging out with the family and Keith is just pissed at him. Hmm. It like it's, it does seem well, weird. He's like he keeps talking about himself like he is a member of the family, right? Doesn't that's he have, true. He wants to like go up to their cabin with them or something. For well, the he's holiday. invited. It's something I think. weird like yeah. that. He just talks about that, and that's when Keith early on has a moment where he has to be like, "Hey, you're not part of my fucking family." Yeah, yeah just because you're fucking my sister <laughs> doesn't mean you're part of the family. Sure, right? sure. Um, 
And later, Jade goes to David's apartment. Okay, real quick. Why did Jade go to David's apartment? It says it says Jade goes to David's apartment to say goodbye. Why okay. would she even go there? So she went to his hotel room where he was staying in New York. Hmm. And this was after, this was obviously after Hugh died. Um, and I don't know if it really covered this in the movie. I know in the book what happened was essentially he gave all of his letters to her mom. Hmm. And she then gave them to I th- her. I think that was a scene in the movie. I yeah, think I vaguely remember that. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering, like, why Jade even yeah. decided to go there. But right. she wanted to say goodbye and to kind of end Thanks things. Thanks for killing my dad. <laughs> oh, Bye. another interesting thing. Another uh, wrinkle in the books that this really doesn't cover in the movie is um, part of what's what's led up to this. There was an incident with Keith. um soon after Hugh died and he tells David about Jade's girlfriend who does not exist in the movie. Hmm. But there's this whole, this is whole weird ass plot and it's yeah. Hmm. Anyway, massive love quadrangle quintangle. I don't know how that all works. Later, Jade goes to David's apartment to say goodbye, but he pulls her back as she tries to leave, throwing her on the bed and forcefully holding her down until she admits she loves him, which she eventually does. Keith comes home to find the pair together again and angrily informs Jade that David is at fault for their father's death. Jade refuses to believe it at first, but when David confirms it, she becomes horrified and hides behind Keith, whom David then shoves out of the way in a desperate bid to grab her. Keith fights him off until the police arrive and arrest David. Sentenced to prison, David seems doomed never to see Jade again. Jade tells her mother at her father's lakeside funeral that no one will ever love her the way David does, and Anne speaks her understanding and approval. The final scene shows David watching Jade walk toward him through his barred cell window. Okay, I want to... That first bit where he grabs her, throws her on the bed in the hotel room, I want to give credit to the author right now because I won't give the credit to the author of the book for much because it was a weird-ass book. But it was not that rapey. Like, that was a really, really fucking... Like, she said no. She said no multiple times. I mean, he wasn't trying to have sex with her. He was just trying to get her to say that she loved him. Yeah, and hold her well, onto the, on the bed. Right. And do things... So, with, from a techni- oh my technically God. speaking, not rape. Ooh, I'm there not going to talk okay. about technical there definitions was no, of rape. So she technically <laughs> said about, yes later, but there I think, is I think definitely coercion. Super creepy it, assault? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 definitely, <laughs> super, it's definitely... Can we call it super creepy assault? It's assault, yes, for okay. sure. Yeah. But yes, I believe, I believe the legal definition with, is super creepy assault. Yeah, super yes. creepy assault <laughs> with sexual tinges, like... But then after that, she admits she loves them and they're back together until Keith comes home. This is true. Also, it says comes home. I'm pretty sure they're at David's apartment. Well, they're they're at the hotel. Yeah, they're in the lobby. He walks into them in the hotel lobby. I'm pretty sure David had an apartment. No, because he was visiting. He was visiting New York. I don't think it was an thought, actual apartment. He it might have been a, like a week to week hotel or something. I thought he got an apartment in New York. I thought he was that creepy. I don't think so. It was definitely the hotel room have. where he was like holding her down. Like that yeah, was, I, I remember that being a thing. He, um, I guess he might have. It maybe doesn't. It, was it, like a it doesn't really go into the specifics nice big of the complex that had yeah. a lobby or something. It doesn't really go into the specifics of the ownership of that room. So I guess it might have technically been an apartment. Yeah, but still. Anyway, you guys are right. Keith is the hero of this. He yes. fights him until yeah. the police come. Everybody else somehow comes to the conclusion that David is okay, right? Because their love is endless, you know, just because there's a little 
you know, super creepy assault and murder involved. The only people who are okay with David is Jade because she's like, for some reason, has this like belief that David loved her better than anyone ever could, despite the fact that she clearly hasn't really experienced anything else. And then Anne, who's weird, weird as shit, Mm -hmm. and who has been thinking about david apparently ever since uh she saw him fucking her daughter hmm. um it's gross and yeah hey kids remember love is uh when you start to value another person's needs and interests um ahead of your own it's not when you burn down their house and kill their father because you have to be with them no matter what love is when you feel very endlessly possessive of this person no. and you need them no. and if they do anything no. they, you will burn no. down their house and no it's not that <laughs> No, no, not that. That's obsession. And that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you can't stalking. Spell... Uh, okay, I, I don't have a follow up to this. You guys and, are right. And I'm I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure David gets arrested not for killing the father because from a legal standpoint mm. he did not kill the father. I think not. it's from breaking parole. Yeah, right. He broke parole to leave the state because he left Chicago to and go to he, New York. He also was mm. forbidden from ever contacting the Butterfields again. And that as well. In one day, contacted the entire family. I'm going to say that it counts as manslaughter at least. I am a legal expert. No, uh, I'm not at all. Uh, I think there's definitely so, depraved indifference there, even though I don't know what that means so, or if it counts <laughs> in manslaughter. So, uh, A, I disagree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. I, I think that it could easily be seen as David trying to lure you, but I don't think, I think that's what it is. If you break your probation to go stalk somebody... Who you have like a well, well, he's in the wrong for breaking his probation, but that wasn't contact in the family. Yeah, but that wasn't an excuse for Hugh to rush out into the street. I don't know. It's got to be something, right? I, be I, something. I actually, really I, I actually think from like the United States legal system, David would not get anything for that. Oh man, no. I he, he would. I think he would be in jail for like, violating. What if you were just normally stalking somebody, right? Like, what if you're stalking Hugh and he tries to run away from you into the street and he gets hit by a car, right? That's got to be partially your fault if you're stalking him and there's a restraining order, right? And then it is. He's not allowed to see Jade or her family ever again. So he's attacked them. He burned their house down. That's tough to say. But see, that that, that, be that, that at that point, lawyers write in at tell that us point, yeah, right. if there's depraved indifference or not, and then tell us what depraved indifference means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, at us on Twitter at uh, at Cruzinit. I'm sorry, Cruz- at Cruzinit Pod. C R U I S I N. I-T-P-O-D. Please let us know if that was legal or not. I'm but now, pretty sure he wouldn't have gotten in any legal trouble for that. Now, now, what you're saying, though, like if you, you said if he had been stalking Hugh and Hugh mm-hmm. had seen him and run away from David into the sure. street, that's a little different because at that point he's running away from someone like he's fearing for his life and running away. At this point, he's chasing after David seemingly to attack him. At that mm-hmm. point, like... I feel Maybe like I feel like trying to apprehend him. I feel like Hugh's death. Family. I feel like Hugh's death, while it was came about because of David's actions, was not directly David's fault. Mm. However, David was in the wrong for violating his parole. I feel like even if he has a legal case here, David is morally responsible. Oh, no. David's a horrible for person. Eighty percent of that death. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, also, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying he's not responsible for Hugh's death. I'm just saying, in a court of law, he would not be convicted for Hugh's death. Ah, there's all mm-hmm. that depraved indifference, though. <laughs> ah, damn it. None, none of what is said here should be taken as legal advice. Cruising it does not uh, condone this or mm. any give any kind of legal advice. 
Uh, tweet at us for amateur legal advice, <laughs> which we will not provide. <laughs> or we will, but you should not take it. Do not listen to us if we provide legal advice, which we will not. All right. Y'all guys uh, have anything else to go over with this? No, I, I just want to point Oh, you know what? We do. We need to have our fight over the meaning of this movie, right? <laughs> so, because I think... I, you know, I sort of, I agree a little bit with Death of the Author. I'm like halfway on board with that literary philosophy, right? So regardless of what this director intended, what they have put on the screen tells me that their love is not a good thing. It is not pure. It is endless, maybe, but it's not love. It's a bad thing. If they think it's a good thing, it's because they're crazy and they have been corrupted by obsession and loneliness. So I don't disagree with you too much. Um, I know when we initially watched this movie, I had a very differing opinion from Andrew. Not that I thought that David was good, but that I thought that the director was almost trying to imply that David was good. Uh, and specifically, it was because that Jade went to him in the end. Like that That's the scene that throws me in terms of the meaning of the movie, is that Jade and her mom had this heartfelt discussion about love and... They're wrong. Jade realizes. Well, sure, you can say that, but David's David's uh, crazy ass ideas, his stalking and house burning and all of that shit, they pay off in the end because Jade goes to him, and that's why. Like, it, it just seemed like the movie was making this point that, or it was making this statement that Jade and David's. Thing, whatever it was that they had was the endless love and that's why she went to him in the end and I, I will say part of my disagreement with you immediately after watching the movie was based on just that but and i thought that the movie essentially was saying hey this works sacrifice everything for the person oh, you love no. especially their house um especially their house <laughs> burn down all the houses right right burn down the houses till somebody loves you uh but then I read the author's comments on the movie, and he basically said he thought it was too much of a cautionary tale, and I have honestly no idea what to think. Yeah, that's weird. That's why I like Death of the Author. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just feel like what they had on screen, it was... I, if I am taking... If I'm judging this movie for how good I think it is, I think I probably agree with you um, in your take that we are supposed to think that their love is good at the mm-hmm. end. But um, if I'm giving a generous interpretation of this movie, then I think I'm saying, oh, we're supposed to recognize based on what's on the screen that whatever they're calling love is not love. And now let's get into some fun facts and background info about Endless Love. Two hearts that beat as one Our lives have just begun Now, this movie was actually pretty successful, which, considering the quality of the movie, is pretty pretty surprising. But I I believe you said the book was actually pretty successful. Yeah, the the book like won some awards. It was pretty well renowned. I will say, like, I know I've been kind of ragging on it, but like, I will say, I'm just not really a fan of the genre. It's a romance novel, and the guy that did it is apparently really one of the more uh, literary, I don't know how to put it, more in-depth authors, the more successful authors, the ones that give a bit more 
give give them more to their stories than your average you know pulp mm. romance. Gotcha. Well, it was made on a budget of sixteen million dollars, and it it doubled that, and made it thirty two and a half million. Oh, um, that's pretty good, so right? Pr- mm-hmm. Pretty good. That's considered successful for a movie to double your budget. Uh, that, I mean, I don't know anything about movie investing. I mean, that's not a you know that's not a blockbuster or anything like that. But you know, they they spent sixteen million dollars and they got that money back plus an additional sixteen and a half million. So they're probably like decently happy. happy. Yeah, yeah, they're probably decently happy with that. It, I mean, it was a fairly low budget film, so getting that much money off of it was actually probably they probably considered that a success, but. Um, I'm not really sure, like, what the official, like, how much money you need to make before it's a successful film either. But to me, personally, doubling your money sounds like a good a good thing. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, despite that, does not have great reviews. Ha, nah. huh, you don't say. <laughs> you mean is, Roger uh, Ebert didn't love this movie? So, wait, hang on. Do you're we saying have a that Roger because... Ebert review? Uh, not that I've looked up. Now I I do have the Rotten Tomatoes up here. Uh, now critically speaking, twenty nine percent, which is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's better with the audience. It's still it's still rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, but it is fifty three percent, which actually okay. so more than half of the people who watched this movie, according to Rotten Tomatoes, enjoyed it, which is really surprising to me. I guess, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority of people who thought this was a really bad movie. I think as far as we go, uh, I think part of it is that it was really undersold to us. So we were expecting something just utter garbage. Mm. And we came away with something that, you know, had a plot and had a decent moral. You could take away with it if you really tried. Uh, can I, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt for a second? <laughs> sure. I looked up the Roger review <laughs> for this movie and I scrolled to the last paragraph just to see kind of what he thought. Okay. In conclusion, the first sentence just says, is there anything good in the movie? <laughs> so just consider that a summary of one great critic's thoughts on the movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this, I mean, as we said, this is Tom Cruise's uh, film debut. Film, film debut. So uh, this, this well, movie was also, this movie was also apparently the film debut of Jamie Gertz. I don't know okay. if y'all know who, who that is. Um <laughs> She she's been she's been stuff. She was in Twister and Lost Boys, but mm-hmm. I don't remember her in this movie. So I mean, you guys can't really help if y'all don't know who Jimmy Gertz is. But yeah, yeah. No, that's um, tough for me. But like, I have no idea who she. I can't. Maybe she was like a friend of Brooke Shields or something. Maybe she, maybe she either that or, or, or sister. Maybe she was a girl at maybe the party or something. Maybe. She had yeah. to have even a smaller role than Tom Cruise. Like maybe not even a speaking. Maybe role, she was. Of. Maybe she was the girl singing uh, "Endless Love." She was not the girl singing "Endless Love." I know <laughs> no, that. For that was oh, okay. Little Richard. Uh, it was not little richard <laughs> little nicky mm. <laughs> little yachty now, oh now i'm looking up uh i'm looking up some spread soda i'm looking up some <laughs> trivia right now and this kind of blows my mind a little bit again because yeah, i actually doesn't blow like, your mind no, i actually for, i actually forgot about this okay yeah. and i'm rereading it now i, I forgot too so meg ryan was one of the uh, people who auditioned for jade butterfield and Tom Hanks was one of the oh, many contestants oh, who right. auditioned for the role of David oh, Axelrod. Man. Now I remember saying that we could have had a trilogy. We could have. Well, there is already a three, oh, three Meg Ryan Tom Hanks collaborations. Oh, such deja vu right a now. Quadrilogy. Yes, yeah, this would be a Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. Joe <laughs> versus the volcano. Mail. 
Joe versus the volcano. And you've got mail. Is that movie about a volcano at all? Because people have always said that it's good, but volcano movies usually aren't good. It's not directly about a volcano. It, okay. It's it's, a, it's kind of a really weird comedy about that. We're getting a little off topic, but um, right. It's a, kind of a weird comedy so, uh, about Meg Ryan cast anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do a Tom Hanks cast personally, but That's we can do really, both. Really good move, actually. Yeah, but no. Basically, in that in that movie, I think Tom Hanks is like given like a diagnosis, like he's a, he's gonna die. So he, this guy like gets him to go to an island to sacrifice himself to a volcano because if they don't do that then the volcano's going to explode and kill this indigenous people who happen to really love orange soda it's uh-huh. a very strange movie <laughs> but it's is. really good wait, wait. <laughs> who loves orange soda the hell oh loves orange soda <laughs> anyway anyways yes this movie besi- this movie could have starred meg ryan and tom hanks it would have been which interesting i think w- you get a I, tom hanks butt <laughs> i don't know how to feel about that honestly I yeah i don't know how i feel about that either i'm into the tom cruise but he but... was before i decide how much i'm into that uh and another quick little trivia which is actually kind of disturbing to me um the director during the lovemaking scenes yes would squeeze Brooke Shields' big toe mm-hmm. okay. so that her facial yes. reaction would look like an orgasm. Okay. Right. This well, is... okay, so, and no, this makes sense to me because when I orgasm, it feels like someone's pinching wow. my toes. What? <laughs> okay. You might need to get that looked at. Wow. Well, no, and like, I don't know how this is, this feels for women, women uh, at us on Twitter if. You know, it feels like someone pinching your toes. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, because I assume that for all men, when someone pinches your toes, you just come. That's, that's mm. <laughs> Here, let me just... Uh, well, anyway, uh, it didn't now, work. Uh, now, the director okay. <laughs> di- the director of this movie is uh, Franco Zeffirelli. And he's known for making a particular version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that, God, he is, yeah, isn't he? That also See? starred a underage actress, Olivia Hussey, who also had a nude scene in the film. So, I, here's so there's I, something with this director. On the, on the one hand, <laughs> I always feel weird like criticizing things like this, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we're a little overly prudish about nudity in movies, maybe. European movies, not such a big deal. But it just feels like the way that we do it is so creepy, right? We're just right. like, we're going to be prudish about everything, but you're a 15-year-old girl, and that's the nudity we're yeah. really going to lead into. But it's so like, Shield. But it's I'm like, a creepy director. I'm going to do it in a creepy way. I don't like it. But this it's, is it's like this is like a perfect combination mm-hmm. of like two things coming together because you have Franco Zeffirelli who already has a history of shooting underage girls naked, and mm-hmm. then you have Brooke Shields who was in a Playboy oh, shoot when she know. was 12 Stop and was also in a movie called know. Pretty Baby where she this, does full frontal nudity, this, and I believe yeah. she's 12 or 13 in that. Something well. like that. You know, I don't know how Brooke Shields about, so, feels <laughs> about this, but. This this makes me sad as a person. Right. And, well, and her mother was her manager at the time. Oh, yes. Yeah. And see. the IMDb uh, says she's very protective of her daughter, but it really seems like she's not. But I, look, I'm going to, I'm going to hold back most of my judgment, except that I want to add to this, this whole thing that the original cut of this movie was sent to the MPAA. And when it was, they gave it an X rating. Hmm. Like, and I know, I know you said, oh, but it's art at the beginning, but they literally it's made, art. It's now, they literally made and sent in child porn. Now, I don't know if this is why, but I have a feeling this is why it was X and they moved it down to R, mm-hmm. is when they were doing the sex scene, there wasn't a lot of movement. Okay. There was just two naked people laying on top of each other. Right. 
I think the I think the movement the, the like sexual a, movement is probably what would have pushed it to an X. Sexual movement, okay. the, the thrust. It. I, don't, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's just it's weird, and I hate but I it. but I have like when you say that it makes it seem like there was like more nude scenes and more graphic nude scenes, but it may have been something as innocent as that because it could have been that because the MPAA is like really weird about the way it rates things sometimes, yeah. but at the same time. The original cut they sent in of this movie was X-rated. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can we, in conclusion, can we remake this movie, but the only nudity we get is from Hugh's character? And it's um, just well, full no. frontal, no. Sorry. huge, can we just get Billy? 60-year-old dad dick. Just bleh. Let's just get Billy. Bleh. I'd be into that. <laughs> that would be arch to me. Now, a, cu- uh, a couple things we're going to be uh, keeping track of with Tom Cruise as we go on. It, there, there's two things that Tom Cruise is very well known for in movies. One is running. He runs in almost every one of his movies. <laughs> Another thing is doing his own stunts. We get one of those here because the first time we see Tom Cruise, he's playing soccer and he's running. So yeah. even from the get-go, he's running. However, he didn't really have any stunts to perform. So What about when he sat down on the ground? Well, I mean, was that really him or was that a stunt? What about taking off his shirt? Oh, That's a pretty oh, intense Oh, yes. When he yeah. sat down with his super short Daisy Dukes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I Daisy Dukes, Tom Cruise. Now, wait, how old was Get Tom it. Cruise in this movie again? No, he, he was illegal. Okay, I can watch this <laughs> so many times. Now, I, I will say I, I do not recommend watching this movie. However, you can find Tom Cruise's scene on youtube it is 48 seconds long i recommend watching it because it's fantastic yeah i guess you could try to get the plot around it you don't really need most of the first half of the movie though i mean really that's where the plot begins with his story so you've got it right there watch this movie and just start with this scene and just go from there and you'll be good but also never watch this movie (laughs) yeah probably should not well, not if, watch this well and the thing is if you start with this scene too you miss all the child nudity which mm. is helpful which is great it yeah. makes the it's movie... incredibly helpful it makes you feel way less weird about what you're Ugh, looking at not. jesus someone shoot me <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all got anything else nope uh no all right. Well, that's all we have on Endless Love. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and make sure to check out our Facebook and Twitter at Cruising It Pod, C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D, for info on upcoming episodes and general news. Join us next time when we watch Tom Cruise's second ever role in TAPS. I'm Donovan Bruce. I'm Andrew Mount. Social media is toxic. Don't follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Delete your social media. I'm Mason Kuzmich. You should follow us on Twitter and whatever social media you're on and just us. He's right. Social media is toxic, but not ours. Ours is perfect. And you've been listening to Cruising It. And now, a dramatic reading of the novelization of Endless Love. I didn't want to do anything to draw suspicion. Like Rose, I believed in I belonged in a prison more than a nuthouse, and was damn grateful to be stuck in the latter. My psychiatrist mentioned that the fear of anal rape is the most vivid terror people experience when they contemplate prison, more horrible than separation from loved ones, loss of time, collapse of career, etc. I don't know quite what Clark was leading toward, whether he considered this a holdover from our past as baboons, 
Or if he meant to suggest that the phobia was the Halloween mask of a latent desire. But the fact is, I did cringe at the thought of being served up to a cell block of crazed prisoners. There is something so unbelievably cruel about fucking someone in the ass. Of course, the opening is there, and I suppose handy. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I only made it 